Paris Agreement, the Montreal Protocol, the Stockholm Convention, the Bonn Agreement, the Kyoto Protocol, the Rotterdam Convention, the Geneva Protocol, the Barcelona Convention, the Vienna Convention, the Basel Convention, and the list goes on. There are literally thousands of agreements aimed at developing policies and getting countries to take active and collective action on climate change. Recent analysis by the UN shows that current efforts to cut carbon would see global emissions fall by less than 1% by 2030. Scientists say that reductions of 45% are needed to prevent the Earth warming by more than 1.5 degrees. We are currently on track for warming of 2.8 degrees this century. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres recently said, There has been a tendency to put climate change on the back burner, and if we are not able to reverse the present trend, we will be doomed. For countries in East Africa that are already experiencing catastrophic droughts and floods, all these agreements are so far just talk and far removed from their daily lives. They are living on the front lines of a changing climate. I am Diane Njeru from BBC Media Action, and in this episode, we are going to explore what people in East Africa want and need from global leaders and policymakers. They make policies from their comfort zones, not knowing exactly what is happening down here. Most of these people who are not a basket case, these are people who are farming and they were able to take care of themselves. It's high time government considered drought as a national disaster because we have lost all the crops and need government intervention. There are people who are almost almost went to mud. 3,000 goats disappearing from you within just one rain. COP26 took place last year, but you haven't seen any changes. We went to Turkana in the drylands of northern Kenya to speak to Victor Juma, who works for a local NGO helping people adapt to climate change. We asked how he thought policymakers should help. What I can say about policymakers and the policies they are making is that I think at times they make policies without consultation or without coming down to zero to the people who are mostly affected. And then they make policies from their comfort zones, not knowing exactly what is happening down here. For example, we don't have rains here. We are hit hard by the heat. We are having very harsh conditions in Trukana in general, unlike other areas, something that was not there before. There are so many other ways of funding projects without uh, losing funds. For example, why can't we just have the acquired farm inputs, for example, without giving funds to different individuals for the funds to get to the ground? Such communities are not able to access the funds. They are in need, they have ideas, but because there's no one who gets to the ground to talk to them, to listen to them, and then at the end of the day, the community continues to suffer. So I think it's good for us to find new ways of putting our money in use and engaging more with the affected uh, people to ensure that we know what they are going through. Victor believes that imported solutions do not always work and that policy should be informed and designed from the bottom up. Most of the organizations, most of the people, investors, when they come, they don't engage the beneficiary, the affected community. You come with a solution. But when Bright Hope came in, there was their need for food. There was drought. The animals that we are supposed to be restocking were dying. We had to engage the community because the people whom we were to restock the animals for were also dying. We were to ask those who were surviving. And they said, we cannot keep animals. 
because we can't feed them. So the only solution to this problem is for us to get into farming because from the farming we can farm fodder for the animals. The community told us their problems and they are the ones who came up with the solution. That's why they contributed the land. That's why they are scaling up the project right now. There's a growing climate justice movement to pressure developed countries to do more and take responsibility with real action. Africa accounts for less than 4% of global greenhouse gas emissions, and yet it's highly susceptible to the negative effects of climate change. Countries, communities, and people are experiencing loss and damage when adaptation efforts are unsuccessful or impossible to implement, often because of limited resources. Developing countries are increasingly calling for money to help cope with the loss and damage caused by climate change. This money could be used to help people cope with climate change by providing weather-indexed crop insurance, rebuilding infrastructure after disasters, assisting with relocation, or emergency cash transfer programs for the extremely poor. A recent IPCC report suggests that no continent is worse affected than Africa, where crop productivity has shrunk by a third since the 1960s because of climate change. This is significant because agriculture accounts for 30 to 40 percent of GDP in Africa and 80 percent of Africans are dependent on rain-fed agriculture. So what do farmers in East Africa think about this? Michael Nyaguti is a fisherman turned farmer from Otonglo village on the outskirts of Kisumu City. He uses his one-acre plot to grow sugarcane and sells sugarcane juice to support his family of six children and three grandchildren. He doesn't mince words when talking about support communities should receive. COP27 to me is a very important meeting that is coming up in Egypt. I'm looking forward to witnessing discussions focusing around the problems that we have had or the challenges that we have had in terms of climate change. There is need for discussion around loss and damages that our people have incurred. They should now focus on how they can also compensate particularly the underdeveloped world and Africa in particular. I expect them to put on the table tangible proposals in terms of grants, not loans, grants that will help actually rebuild the people who have lost. And some of these families are still staying in Red Cross tents. They have never moved back into their homes. Their farms were lost. Most of these people were not a basket case. These are people who are farming and they were able to take care of themselves. Today, their farms are lost underwater. They have to beg. Apart from just mitigation, we must start thinking in those discussions about how these people can survive through adaptation measures. I'm expecting at COP27, the developed countries will yield to the demands of the underdeveloped countries. They have refused before to discuss this issue of losses and damages. We want the talks to now shift to adaptation and adaptation in relation to loss and damage. Dr. Abu Sali, a climate scientist at ICPAC, the IGAD Climate Prediction and Application Center in Nairobi, believes that while African countries must embrace green technology and not repeat the mistakes of more developed countries, those with more should do more when it comes to climate change. 
For us, we have to think in a comprehensive way. It's a big problem, but we have to work on it together. So from our side in Africa, we will do our part. We are not polluting very much so far, and we are approaching a direction of green energy. Uh, so to leapfrog and avoid that heavy carbon pass of the developed nations. But we will do our part, and we will also ask the others to do their part. We will not just do it and sit. We will ask and campaign and call those developed countries who caused the problem uh, in the beginning to actually provide support to African countries so they can develop these green technologies and green energy resources to help African countries also adapt to the current impact of climate change and to help uh, African countries build resilient infrastructure, build a strong early warning systems. Climate activists from around Africa are pushing for more support and compensation from the international community. Here is more from Nizreen El Saim in Sudan. Yes, because there's a lot of um, climate crisis happening around the world, and uh, this crisis uh, result huge destruction in the in the infrastructure, um, crops, uh, farms, uh, everything actually. That's why people are focusing on on loss and damage, floods in Pakistan, and the floods everywhere else. Um, and of course, the burning forests in the US, in Europe, in a lot of places, all of these are kind of losses and damages. And that's why climate crisis we are experiencing, more uh, requests for, for compensation will, will, will happen. There are concerns that the way loss and damage is calculated might mean many in Africa miss out. A house in an informal settlement that is damaged in a flood, for example, may not be eligible as it's not deemed as a solid structure. Many people are realizing their local governments should and can do more. Charles Ebuguawo, a large-scale coffee and maize farmer in Uganda, wants climate change declared a national disaster. In case the dry spell persists, we are also likely to get a challenge of water because the remaining water dams will also dry and the only alternative will be drawing water from the stream where cows drink from. It's high time government considered drought as a national disaster because we have lost all the crops and need government intervention. If the Ministry of Disaster Preparedness does not have work already, the work is here. It should assist farmers with agriculture inputs and food, or at least subsidize the inputs. Kenya Met Officer Rob Ali has observed that with better planning and preparation, sudden weather events can have less devastating effects on vulnerable communities. He says there are things that the local communities can do, but the government needs to play its part. Like now in Marsabit, when I was very young, buffaloes used to be here. It was forested. But now if you walk around here, those little trees that people planted, that those are the only ones you can see. But the natural ones which have been there, they are no longer there. Okay? So tree planting one. Two, livestock destocking. People have so much livestock, but they cannot maintain. Drought comes, it goes. There are people who are almost, almost went to mud. 3,000 goats disappearing from you within just one rain. And that is your livelihood, destocking, tree planting, and then peace, coexistence of the communities in the community. Those are the things they should do. Three, vote, 
the county government must put in place contingency funds to make sure when they are going to such things are happening, they have the money, not rushing to look for money when people are suffering. The change in climate threatens the identity, culture and future of pastoralist communities in East Africa, whose herds have been decimated by flash floods and severe drought. Yet many of these communities are reluctantly realizing that they must adapt to survive, and they want policymakers to understand what they are going through. Shadrach Lekimine is a 20-year-old Samburu pastoralist looking after the family's livestock in northern Kenya. He thinks that decision-makers need to experience the reality that people like him experience every day. I like leaders who can understand our reality. They need to come to the ground and see our way of life. My dream is to get education so that I can come and teach them about new ways and change their lifestyle through education. For this new wave of pastoralists who are trying farming and other ways of life, they believe that governments should invest in education and enabling policies that support them to make the transition. Daso Sisae is a farmer herder, known in the sector as an agro-pastoralist in Masabet, Kenya. She practices modern agriculture like zero grazing, where the farmer collects fodder for animals rather than taking the animals on traditional routes to pasture. But making this transition successfully means learning new skills. We are going through many challenges because those who were ahead of us did not take care of the environment. But because I have learned better, I want to do better. I would not want my children to go through the same problems I'm going through. I want them to live in a better environment. I will educate them on how to take care of their environment. I would like to encourage leaders and policymakers to keep educating people about climate change. I have tried to do my part. I plant grass, seedlings and trees in my farm. I harvest rainwater. It's because of this knowledge that people like me can contribute to mitigating the impact of climate change and I am seeing the fruits of my labor. I am also teaching others to do the same. If we teach people how to protect the environment now, it will benefit the whole world in the future. Jomo Lelempoko, a 59-year-old from Samburu in Kenya, has been a pastoralist all his life. With climate change and associated threats like cattle rustling on the rise, he too understands the need to adapt their way of life with more agriculture and modern livestock management. But he says he needs education, training, and support to do so successfully. Let me speak about farming, because pastoralism, especially for cattle, has become too hard. Even when people try to help us, we end up fighting all over again. We are always fighting with others and fighting with each other. So as long as we have cattle, we won't have peace. It causes people to die, makes us move to drought areas and places with water scarcity. And sometimes we get rained on when herding. So, if there is anyone who can teach how to farm, it's better. Especially if we can be taught about proper farming techniques, it would help.
If we were to get seeds with no farming knowledge, we will just scatter them in the farm with no plan and they won't grow. We should be taught so that we can know how to farm. We should also have food throughout because our children cannot wait for us to plant then harvest. So we should always have food throughout. The 27th United Nations Climate Change Conference in Egypt provides a fresh opportunity for world leaders to move beyond discussion and provide real support to communities bearing the brunt of climate change. People we spoke to have high hopes but low expectations. What I want to hear from this summit is to hear more on actions being taken towards the commitment made at the Paris summit in 2016, which was to reduce carbon emission and the support for developing countries. Since they have not shown us any tangible effort to prove that they kept their promises made at the Paris summit in 2016, I don't expect anything different, and I have a fear that the main agenda might be changed. Since the conference is being held in Africa, I hope they will talk about the impact of climate change and the damage caused in African countries. Climate change is becoming a global threat and I expect a strong resolution towards actions that will be implemented. COP26 took place last year, but we haven't seen any changes. Now that COP27 is happening in Africa, and climate change is a critical issue in our continent, I would ask that our leaders be a bit serious, especially with the policies which will be passed. This will be a good thing. Kenya is still dealing with the hunger issue. This shows that as a country, we are still unable to sustain our fellow Kenyans in the farming-struck areas. If developed countries could intervene and fund projects that help us become food secure through irrigation, it will go a long way. Kenya is a big country that can sustain itself. Our leaders need to come up with measures for sustainable projects. At times, it's not a good thing to rely on other countries because they always exploit us. The youth, especially the educated ones, can do research because research plays a vital role. It is up to the government to put up research institutes so that we can carry out research on how to deal with climate change. Will these hopes be realized? The people of East Africa are running out of time to find out. This podcast was produced by BBC Media Action in collaboration with IGAD's Climate Prediction and Application Centre, ICPAC, with financial support from the European Union.